Fall is here, there's a chill in the air, and the Anomaly Film Festival is right around the corner. It's November 8th through the 12th at the Little Theater in Rochester, New York. Check it out at AnomalyFilmFest.com. It's the fifth year of showing the best in independent genre films, action, sci-fi, horror, dark comedy, and really whatever else that you wouldn't get a chance to see on the big screen. It's Anomaly Film Fest at the Little Theater, November 8th through 12th, AnomalyFilmFest.com. Masters of Couch Potato Style Punches and Popcorn Welcome back, Punches and Popcorn family. Uh, Your Couch Potato Ninja crew is here today, and we are joined by a very special guest, a brother of ours in the Lunchador podcast family, a fellow show that we talk about frequently here, our man, uh, the man who loves his first name, uh, McKenneth, McKenneth Blue of the Beer Review Journal. Ni hao. Wow. <laughs> there, that's, he's crossing over already. Wow. Uh, Nobody knows how to respond. Because if you listen to one of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I, so, had to Google, he, I had to Google translate he, it. So. <laughs> Jeff McKenneth Blue from the uh, Beer View Journal podcast that also features our magic man, Matt, here. What up? That, again, we talk about a lot. has a lot of wonderful laughs, and uh, you know we frequently recommend you checking out. Um, but I'd be remiss if I left out our other punches and popcorns. Uh, ninjas here. We have with us the ambassador, the genius, or the genius ambassador, Jason Bills. Uh, hey there. I like all those titles. All right. Yes. And, you know, we always like to add more. A man that actually has uh, uh, many titles, some of them officially earned through blood, sweat and tears or lots of money to maybe some universities uh, are the professor, Hmm. our walking weapon, Dr. Dominic DeMore. Hey, I missed you guys. Why'd you have to get sick, Mike? Yeah, man. (sighs) Come on. Come yes, on. I, I, so we've talked frequently about Jason and Dom's attempts to find the Western New York Kumite. I spent some time uh, th- going down a road that our friend Magic Man Matt here went down not too long ago with yeah. the COVID Kumite. Yeah, it's a party, huh? And you won, though. That's what's important. That's true. That's true. Well, you know, I kept it from spreading to the others in my household, so, at least as far as we know. So I'll consider, I'm going to consider myself a champion there. I am too. This is an 80% COVID podcast at this point, right? Jay, are you the, the last man standing? <laughs> Did you win the COVID yeah, Kumite? I'm the only uh, outlier right now. Jay won the COVID Kumite. Oh, uh, yes. Well, there it is. There it is. Apparently. Yeah. I have so, a tiger see, and lungs of Swiss cheese. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's it's either you are social distancing or you're not actually human. I'm betting on the latter. I'm social. Mm. I'm social distancing from from being social. That's impressive. <laughs> Think about that. <laughs> Finally, all these years of being an introvert has has paid off. <laughs> That's true. It, it, this is a wonderful time to shine for introverts, right? That's right. 
like ready Michael Huntone is Mike. Mike here is an introvert. In case you didn't know. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, that's sure. No, no, he's not. He's not. <laughs> no, I know. This is this is the guy who would put who would somehow he manifested a constable hat. You know, like those like long, tall police hats, and he would the wear it hats. to parties. Yeah, the, the yeah, and he would like wear it to parties, and like that that was how he would start talking to girls. It was it was actually <laughs> quite of effective. So this is not a criticism, I but I can imagine. Introvert, uh, he is not. Let's just put it that way. Neither am I, by the way. Like you're proud, honestly. Yeah. Which is funny See, because pod- Jason and I. Oh, go ahead, McKenna. No, I was just going to say podcasting is the only way I talk to people. That's accurate. <laughs> I can co-sign that. I have a I have a conversation with Matt every other week and my therapist on the off weeks. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> the other part is like Michigan Michigan J Frog or like you know Spaceballs when he opens up the the shoebox. That's basically McKenneth. Uh huh. <laughs> hey McKenneth. Hi. That, McKenneth is buddy. also Mr. Pal. McKenneth is also a master at the uh, I don't know what do you call it? internet games Wordle. Brittle oh. turtle smurdle. My day, my 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 day doesn't start until I see where McKenneth is at. Because I joke with him that uh, when McKenneth has a really good day, that means he's got too much power, and, and I, I worry for the safety of the universe that <laughs> McKenneth with too much Internet power games is. Sounds- very <laughs> malevolent. Sinister. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't is that know, like games? Are you Matthew Broderick? Are you Matthew yes. Broderick? Yeah. Yes. The only way to win is to not play. Um, he puts the phone receiver up on the lately because That's- like, I, I don't recognize any of these songs like the last week. You're too old. I yeah. Too I never, old. I stay away from that one framed. I like, I like that McKenneth will find, will get a one shot when it's like a picture of New York city. And I'm like, oh, this could be 537,000 different movies. And it's it's all about the color shot. grading, Mike. It's all about the color grading. <laughs> yep. And that, well, that's where part I, of the reason. That, that's where I messed up on Michael Fassbender's eye a couple days ago. I, I, I was thinking <laughs> it was Covenant, but no, it was Prometheus. So I got it on two. If I had a dollar for every time you've messed up on Michael Fassbender's eye, I'd have a hundred. I'm always messing up Michael Fassbender's eye and, and his nose and chin. <laughs> See Whoa. if we start talking about messing up eyes. Did it get hot I'm here, gonna... guys, or is it just me? Well, sneak for the BRG. I'm used to bringing a certain level of energy to the beer-reviewed journal, <laughs> <laughs> and of a certain type. I didn't think it would be this sexy. I mean, yeah. come on. <laughs> I'm just a man. The, the subtitle <laughs> for BRJ is horny. The BRJ man. keeps it horny. I, I don't yeah, know. I can tell. Yeah. Dreamy. Camino's dreamy. Well, that that's a great segue because the movie we have is a very sexy movie that we're covering this time around. I, I'm talking about, I'm sure you guessed it by now, the 1978 classic, the original Drunken Masters, starring Jackie Chan. Uh, this one is a tale of a young man who falls under the tutelage of an old man. And <laughs> this is where I'm looking on, like, McKenneth to uh, drive us into the blue area. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, we're here. This is our first time we've talked about... I have... Filter. I have a theory about this movie. I'll, I'll, I'll maybe save it until we get past, like, you know, maybe some plot description and stuff. But I, I've been waiting sure. to drop this. OK. Oh, nice. All right. Well, let, let me let, let me bring us into this just a little bit real briefly, and then we'll jump into our chat. And uh, again, as we already previewed, uh, just through 
McKenneth's framed ability, uh, he's proven that he has significant uh, film credentials. So we're looking forward to hearing that here in our conversation. Um, so as oh. I mentioned, we're talking about Drunken Master, and it's important when I we talk about Drunken Master that we clarify that, again, this is the original 1978 Drunken Master. Uh, I know lots of us in the States, uh, including myself, uh, thought uh, Drunken Master as the... Uh, Jason, when did it come out? Like, 94 or something? The uh, uh, Even before, like, 91 or 92-ish. Yeah, like, yeah. Yes, the, early 90s. What was in Hong Kong Drunken Master 2 that got released in America as Legend of Drunken Master and is usually the movie when people talk about here in America, Drunken Master, they're talking about the second one. No, we are talking about the original. And the movie that really launched was a one-two punch that really launched Jackie Chan's career. So I just want to talk about Jackie Chan just really briefly. Um, again, it's really important, I think, that we've gotten to. We haven't. So we've talked about Jackie briefly prior when we covered Enter the Dragon and that he has a brief role as a stuntman in there that you could like you really have to know what you're looking for and like pause the screen to recognize it in there someone has to um, tell you this, it's him or you cannot tell right <laughs> He's right being exactly like thrown in a cave so <laughs> it's not a lot of jackie but he's there right but it's anyone in america especially in the western world uh but i'm sure it's just as big in asia uh jackie chan especially for those of us that grew up in the 80s 90s especially and then on uh, you know, Jackie Chan is really the face of uh, martial arts cinema. Uh, like Bruce Lee is kind of the legend. He died before I was born, before any of us were. Uh, but Jackie Chan was really the one that brought the movies to us. So it's important. I'm glad that we're getting to him and that we're starting with a movie that was huge. I think until I was aware of this movie, but not really aware of how big this movie was when it came out. Um, so just a real brief background. Uh, Jackie Chan grew up in Hong Kong. And uh, was basically sold by his parents at like the age of 10, I think, to uh, Peking Opera Academy in in Hong Kong, uh, which he was given a tenure contract to study there. And when he was there, he had this really difficult master uh, who trained them in acrobatics and acting and singing and martial arts, which fun side fact, Jackie Chan is also like a pop star yes. in Asia. Um, so maybe so at weird. some point we'll bring in some Jackie Chan songs, but... That's a whole nother story. So uh, when Jackie Chan was at this academy, um, you know, spending all this time all day, which uh, fun fact, part of their contract was that they that the parents would allow them to punish the students to like anything up to death. So it literally was like sold to this school uh, where they learned to be performers. And while he was there, uh, he was part of a performing group called the Seven Little Fortunes. And within that group was a man that we all love, especially us husky gentlemen, uh, the great Samuel Hung, who was the big brother of <laughs> the Academy. Um, and Jackie Chan's autobiography has a really funny story about like how Samo got big as he is. And uh, we'll save that for when we do a movie with them together. Um, but the two of them were, were really close, really tight at the Peking Opera Academy, and along with another legend in Hong Kong cinema, Yan Biao who uh, we'll talk about in other movies for sure, because he's really big at the time. Um, but it, it, I bring this up just to say that, uh, again, while he was at the school, uh, while they performed as this group, Seven Little Fortunes, they a lot of the these guys, Jackie included, did side work as stuntmen in films. And a lot of the Shaw Brothers films and Golden Harvest, when it came out, were proliferated with these basically students at the opera school. And that's how Jackie got involved in stuff like 
uh, Enter the Dragon that we talked before, or Fist of Fury. Um, you know, so we had some experience there when the when Jackie kind of aged out of the school and the school started closing. It was Samo that brought him into the industry, and Samo had kind of established himself, but brought Jackie into it. Um, you know, so Jackie tried making his way a little bit in the industry. Found you know things were difficult. Uh, we've talked a little bit. I know um, uh, Grady and Chris when we talked about the state of kung fu movies and like the mid seventies. friends. Sorry. Our celebrity friends, yes. Uh, you know, Thank Hong Kong action movies started to kind of decline. So Jackie actually moved to Australia where his parents were, and he was working as a construction worker. And I think he said in his autobiography it was the a construction crew that gave him the name Jackie. So that's where we know Jackie Chan from, uh, or uh, that, like, Western name. But uh, like, friends, did you read including... His autobiography? I did. I did. It was really interesting. Um, wow, that's it, amazing. See, folks, we do our research here. We do our research. We put in our time. Our research is we're impressed with Mike's research. I think is our research. Yeah. I, I like watch three quarters well, of a movie. I'll, br- I'll, br- <laughs> well, I'll, br- I'll bring this to this long winding road to a close here, so we can get into the. the no, good you're stuff, not. But I, the problem is Jackie I, was the conceit. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I will interrupt you, Mike. Uh, I think we need to mention the conceit that. Um, I, I think our premise of this episode is we'd be drunk. You sound super sober, by the way. Um, yeah. I, well, continue. we're going to get into the beers we have so that Very I can articulate. start drinking. That's, that, this is oh, also a go. reason why, okay. why I need to bring the story to an end because I don't have beer in my mouth right now, and that's a problem. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. So, anyway, <laughs> so anyways, uh, Jackie was in Australia doing construction work and got calls from his friends in Hong Kong. We're like, hey, the movies are kind of picking up. Uh, you know, We could use you here. Um, so Jackie came back, and you know, there was kind of an interlude with uh, Lo Wei, who wanted him to be like the next Bruce Lee. And as we know, like Jackie Chan is not Bruce Lee; he's totally different. Um, but Jackie was connected with the director of our movie, and let me make sure I'm going to mispronounce this. And I should Yang Wu Ping, mm-hmm. right, guys? That sounds right. To correct me, Jay. Sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. Yuan Wu Ping. Uh, he was loaned to hit to seasonal films. Uh, anyways. And him and Yang Ping made this movie, Snake and Eagle Shadow, that ended up being huge. It's like one of the biggest movies to come out in Hong Kong. Broke like Bruce Lee's record and uh, uh, box office gate within Hong Kong at this time and made Jackie an instant celebrity. And they immediately followed that with the movie we're here to talk about tonight, Drunken Master. So, you know, it's important to know, like Jackie coming into this and kind of he'd had all this time in this really difficult school, spent all this time as a stuntman, kind of thought he was done at a young age. And then, you know, when this movie comes out, he really had just burst onto the scene. And a lot of the things that we'll see in this movie were really Jackie cementing, this is what I am. Like, I'm not Bruce Lee, I'm Jackie Chan. So, you know, and this really set the stage for, you know, Jackie and his career going forward, but also Hong Kong and, uh, and co- Hong Kong action comedies Going for in our last movie, we talked about Dirty Ho and how that's some of that. Uh, this kind of fall, uh, this came out a year before Dirty Ho, and it's kind of part of that, that same family that brought up again for us when we think of like the 90s. A lot of the movies we saw were like comedy action movies. So, um, but that's enough for me. I need to get beer in this mouth. And uh, speaking of beer, yeah. uh, this I feel we gotta honor the, the beer view journal way and share it, right? What is our what's everybody drinking today? So we got well, Mike. Ah, yeah, my Kenneth usually does <laughs> right, this part. I'm done. 
<laughs> yes, you uh, do it, McKenneth. Go, go, go. Yes. Uh, tonight, we are, most of us anyway, are, are drinking a, a Genesee Specialty Cream Ale by the Genesee Brewing Company right here in Rochester, New York. Some folks will say it's uh, from the river to your liver. I've gotten yelled at for saying that because it's from <laughs> Hemlock Lake. <laughs> so yes yes uh, the the company doesn't want to be associated with the river so instead they associate themselves with the lake named after a poison yeah what killed socrates is what they're more interested in than than genesee river so i don't know what that says about the quality of our river water but nevertheless yeah but uh, yes genesee Jenny Creamale, the the beer that uh, two and two years ago I, I couldn't have rolled my eyes at more, and is now the beer that is uh, stocked in my fridge more than any other. Uh, <laughs> yes. This is this is a lovely love beer. A comeback, nice. Yeah. Who, who was responsible? Was that Matt responsible for changing your mind on that? This guy, yeah, basically. <laughs> this guy. Oh, there oh. he is. I had to give Our him the pedigree Matt, we, of a hundred different brewers that liked it a lot, and then he finally came around on it. It was just I drank it enough, man. <laughs> we did it on our second episode. I said, okay, it's better than I th- thought it would be. <laughs> and uh, it, it, it's very cheap. So right. one thing led to there another. You, <laughs> you know, if, well, if I will stars aligned. If you can't be with the one you yes. love, uh, love the one you're with. And I'm with Jenny Cremel. <laughs> there you go. Well said. Well said. There you go. So as the schmuck that isn't drinking Jenny Cream Ale, and the only reason I'm not drinking it is because I didn't get a chance to go to the store. I'm sorry, guys. I got a pregnant wife and an infant. Uh, All the more reason to go buy beer. Come on, man. uh, I'm drinking drinking scotch whiskey, okay? So, like, as far as, like, ethanol consumption is concerned, I'm I'm doing okay. Um, Yeah, you're Jenny Cream Ale, like, I went to Geneseo, and that was the drink of choice. I remember a friend of mine, my friend Greg, who Mike knows very well, um, he actually loaned me his car to drive to Rutgers, where I went to grad school. This is when I was an undergrad. It was for an interview. Right, so I drive down there, and the interview went well, clearly. I come back, and on the way back, I'm like, I'm so appreciative. So I get him a 30-pack of Jenny Cream Ale, and I put it in the trunk, and I'm like, oh, I give him the keys, and guy. I go, there's a secret. There's, I mean, there's a, there's a surprise for you in the trunk. Thank you so much for letting me use your card. You know, of course. <laughs> you know, and, and I remember I was telling another one of our friends, he oh goes, I thought we were all friends. Why would you do that to him? Why? <laughs> So like, well, he doesn't so, appreciate it. The same. So after he opened the trunk and stopped screaming, "Oh my God, who's that girl? Who's this girl? What have you done?" <laughs> he saw the thirty package Jenny Cream Ale. You know how did how did that go? <laughs> if you don't know me, I can get rid of a body real easy, real easy. I'll just stick it in with the cadavers where I worked. So I'm good. <laughs> don't ever suspect to what? find a body with the bodies. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm kidding. You're not supposed to do that. What, anyway, but. Back in back in 2001, Jenny Cremel did not have the sparkling reputation it had now. It has now. It something happened. I don't know what, but um, yeah, it's much better. it's much better. An ex girlfriend of mine, an ex girlfriend of mine said this. She's like, there are two ways to drink Jenny Cremel: drunk or poured on top of vanilla ice cream. I never tried the latter. Maybe huh. it's good. Anyone in the audience ever try that? I don't know. It doesn't she, sound she bad. Was on the bananas, but whatever. I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you what they did. Um, 
they they changed the can and they called it a specialty. Right. Yes. Ooh, there you go. And that's, that's all why you need it. it's an extra dollar over what you pay for red eyes and Jenny Light. So don't, don't, they have a, don't they have a Jenny Crema like dry hopped version or is it, is it like now dry hopped? Dude, they've got, I, I don't, every six months they put out a different version of it. Like what was it last Ooh, summer was the lemon strawberry, which by the way was delightful. Um, yes. dro- double dry hopped. Um, not my favorite. Um, no, it's oh, but they good. didn't. They did yeah. do the the collaboration with other half. The, the other half, the dream uh, ale was the great. The dream ale. Oh, that was fun. I mean, it was basically was uh another half IPA. Yeah. Um yeah. Uh, it, it was delicious. I mean, everything from other half is. So another Jenny Cream other ale half, if you want to sponsor us, just yeah. saying. Other, other half is delicious, by the way. The, um so um another funny story about Jenny Cream ale for me is um so uh I <laughs> Sorry guys. So I got um, um there's a we have to honor our beers here. This is yeah. this is a crossover Fair podcast like, tonight. So I'm not gonna drop any girl. names, but I'm not gonna drop any names, but I was going to the Carnegie to do some some research and the head of paleontology is originally from Western New York. Great guy, Matt. He, he's awesome, awesome scientist and Great awesome name. guy. And <laughs> and he's also like one of the biggest Bills fans I know actually lives in Pennsylvania by Pittsburgh, which I think is hysterical. Anyway, that's him. So anyway, I drive down and I bring a bunch of local beers. I brought I brought Trial by Wombat, which I freaking love. I love that stuff. Um, I brought one of the like when the Bills were doing well, they had all these like table smashers and all these crazy beers. So I picked up a couple of those and I brought. Jenny Cremel dry hop and he's from Western New York and he's in his forties and he picks up a can. And he's like, what happened to Jenny Cremel? I don't remember it being dry hopped. He's like, what is this? And he thinks and he's like, this is really good. What happened to them? <laughs> so yeah, what happened was the guys that brew all those fancy $23 or four pack beers realized that it's better just to buy a six pack for $6. <laughs> <laughs> so it's what they all right, drink, which right. is why it got expensive because all of them were in the press going, "Hey, you know what? Jenny Cremail's good." <laughs> so, right. And Jenny was like, "Well, I'm going to blame that. You know, I'm going to blame that on Will Cleveland because I think Will was a big. I know Will is a frequent champion of of oh, Jenny, Jenny in for general. sure. Yeah, you know, which again, friend of the podcast, we all know and love Will. Um, Will, I'm going to blame you for driving up the Jenny. Cream out price. Yeah, I mean, it's all Will's fault. It's him and the, the guys up at Bissell in Vermont. Those guys love that shit too. Right, and right. Yeah. So between oh, them, that's true. Yes. I won't tell the so story. Was that that was booth, but so guys, so as apropos, it is to talk about beer for Drunken Master. Maybe yeah. we should talk about the I don't movie? know Drunken Master. Well, just we, we don't know what, what, what did we have. We don't know what oh, Jay's drinking yeah. yet. We got to figure yeah, that out. Oh, I'm in the Dom boat where I didn't have time, so I'm just drinking random things from the fridge. Right now, it's a unused uh, pineapple cider that no one wanted. Right on. Oh, can't imagine why. Right. No, yeah, no. I'm, I'm, uh, uh, you know, a bottom feeder. I, I just, just <laughs> to quote there. Super Troopers, oh. to quote the 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 guy in Super Troopers, desperation is a stinky cologne. <laughs> you you know what though? When it comes no, down to it, and you need to get something to drink, that there are worse things you could have found than a pineapple cider. Right. Yeah, for sure. I had Coors Banquet bouncing around in my fridge for like three weeks. So (laughs) So you sound like the type of guy. And I mean this like we smell our own, but uh, the type of guy who would be a huge fan of the dollar shelf at the jammer, which is one of my favorite things in Rochester. 
yeah, no, I, yeah, sure. Yes. <laughs> Have you ever been to the jammer? What is this? I don't even know what that means. Wait, what? Windjammers? No. Just none of you know windjammers. Uh, I've even been there, and I'm, I'm, I oh live in God. Buffalo, and I'm not right, from Rochester. That, that's because I, Sarah I and I used to go there. Oh, all right. for a long this is a time. Topic for I another time, but we, we need to go. It's uh, they are hands let's, down, let's, in my opinion, the best wings in Rochester. Wow. The, the best oh, dive wow. bar in Rochester. Sounds and great. one of their one of their awesome features is they have a dollar shelf and a two dollar shelf. And it's just like whatever they'll throw on. It could be anything in there. It could be pineapple. This pineapple cider could be like Bud Light. My guy could be could be cream ale. Could be like something fancy. You never know. And it's always fun to go and see again. Big fan of the wind of the jammer. Oh, guys, we we're definitely going. All right, but we should talk about drunken. I just wanted to mention the other beer, the beer that I'm drinking before I crack into my cream ales. Here, I am drinking a beer from another Rochester legendary. Brewer, Three Heads Brewing, kind of the OG and craft beer in Rochester. And I'm drinking their special Rochester Pride Rainbow Sour Ale. Mm. Had, oh, it's it's like a cornucopia of flavors in here. Strawberry, raspberry, lemon, lime, orange, grape, and guava um, that they brew specially because this month, July, is Rochester's Pride Month. So, uh, you know, in Rochester, and just like I know all of us here in the pod, we're really supportive. Uh, fried, and I thought it was awesome to get this drink. And uh, again, we loved it in Rochester. We're so so proud, um, you know, and support our LGBTQ plus community. That uh, we don't just do it once. We don't just do it in June. We do it in July also. I know. I saw our friends at the Anomaly Podcast had a look like a super fun time at the Rochester Red Wings Pride Night last night. Uh, another huge event here in Rochester. It was a blast. Got got to saw yeah, our, look, see our friend Michael Gamilla throughout the first pitch. It was awesome. But I think awesome. we have, nice. we, we have we have a movie to to talk about. I think because uh, we do we do all right. All right we have so. we have thirty minutes. Let's actually get Dom, a tangent. Dom, thirty minutes. Dom's That's got a whole house full of kids. Dom's he's got to get back to. Uh, <laughs> 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 all right. Otherwise, I got the cream ale here. So let's get into it. All right, Drunken Master guys, nineteen seventy eight's uh, Drunken Master. Uh, let's start start with how we usually do. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on this? Okay, so I have one preliminary thought. Uh, Jackie Chan's dad has a problem with how many fights he gets into, so his solution to that is to train him how to fight. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's well, already fair. kicking everybody's ass. Let's let's teach him how to, to fight better uh, or, that, or more responsibly. I, I don't know. I, that's probably the theory, but right? responsibly. <laughs> yes. There's I feel like in response to that, I feel like so so if there's one thing, I don't mean to get serious because I know your your point is facetious. But as someone who or does martial it? arts, I feel like one of the best lessons I learned from martial arts is the ceiling is really high. And no matter how good you think you are, there is someone that can friggin mop the floor with you and so like that spoke to me that whole idea of like oh you think you're good here you think you're good at being able to beat up everyone in the town and acting like a jackass which by the way he's totally a jackass i'm he's gonna say you to this guy <laughs> and you're gonna realize where you're gonna realize you're nowhere near the ceiling and so i i i, I see what you're saying but yeah, i totally yeah. get it that's the one thing i learned about my because before I started martial arts, you know, I thought I was like, oh, yeah, I could take people in a fight. You know, I got I got broad shoulders. Duh, 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 duh. Then I started doing martial arts and I realized, oh, my God, there are some guys out there 
that are so dangerous and not dangerous in like a malicious way, but they know their stuff so well that, wow. So, so I kind of understand that. I kind of understand that point that, yeah. you know, it's like you train with this guy, you're going to learn how it's re- how it really is and learn that you're not such a hot shot. And so, so that's yeah. one of the things that like, it spoke to me personally. And I think that's a great thing about martial arts is you learn, like, I don't care how tough you are. There's this little guy over there. That's going to, that can probably whoop your ass. So, you know, rain it in. That's just my perspective yeah. on it. I don't mean to shut you down, but no, for sure. But like, it's, it is kind of funny to me. He starts out like beating up people who are kind of dicks, like, and and that's a problem. (laughs) I don't know. To to me, it seemed like, it seemed like the issue was was a non-issue. Like he's going around beating up assholes. Like what's the problem? Right. I see this as a win-win. The guy that later puts a hit out on his dad. Like that's yeah. what he's mad about him like beating up people from his crew. You mean Thunderleg? <laughs> Great name. Thunderleg. Oh, yes, yes, Thunderleg. Yeah. Great Thunderleg name. in the uh, the dub that I assume we all watched. <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of where I wanted to start is I feel like this movie is legendary enough that we should really have a better release that doesn't have the shitty cartoon dub. Did did everybody watch the dub? Is that what everybody yeah. found? Unfortunately. I did, but I but I also watched, uh, so Eureka did a release uh, some years ago that's a really nice edition that is a Region 2 okay. DVD. And Jason, who assured me this will work on, we'll play even though it says it's, it will play. And it did. Uh, and it was fantastic. So that you could hear in the original uh, Cantonese, I think it was. Yeah. Um, yes. But I did, watch, I did watch the dub, too. And the dub is one of the worst I've it's like they call him Freddy. Yeah. Right? It's just Freddy. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of fun, though. That, you know, it's terrible and it kind of really doesn't help the movie, but no. it, that's sort of sort of the fun of these kung fu movies is those, those dubs, man. And they that was. Away. Yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of where I was with it is like it felt like sitting there on a Saturday afternoon watching it on, on USA because the dub is so bad and it, it, ah, it's. Yeah. yeah. And the music is just yes. bizarre. You know, I was like, oh, yeah, no, this is kind of like for it being as legendary as it is, like the presentation of it 40 years later, you're like, oh, I'm used to these things being like treated like art pieces. And this one is just like, oh, here's this thing as it was in 78. We just kind of shit it out there. And here you go. It's still that same way. (laughs) Yeah. But at the same time, it's 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 so schlocky and great. Like, like there's no dialogue to speak of. And, uh, you know, the the dub is atrocious. Uh, The story is next to non-existent. But my God, the fight choreography in this movie is freaking fantastic. It is so fun to watch. And it's like every 30 seconds, there's a different fun fight happening. And it's it's almost not even a fight. It's almost like acrobatics. Yeah, acrobatic. Yeah. Sorry, drinking uh, or ballet, and it's it's. I honestly like this is like when people talk about drunken master. You know, a lot of them are talking about you know legend of the drunken master because it has those you know fantastic Jackie Chan set pieces and you know it kind of when he was sort of you know at his the height of his powers. But this sort of scrappy independent you know reminds me of almost like you know before your band became big. Like they're just that's when they were the best, and that's kind of how I feel about that. Even when you know Jackie Chan sort of made a big splash you know on you know in america it was you know with almost the rush hour films and stuff like that and shanghai nights um and and i was kind of 
that's sort of when I bailed because, again, I was like, oh, my band got big. Like I was kind of a dick about it because this <laughs> is the stuff that I loved is, is his early stuff. Even, you know, before this, when, you know, Jackie Chan hadn't clicked yet, like um, Half a Loaf of Kung Fu. It's just yeah. these oddball little – it reminds me of what got me into movies in the first place is those like 90s indie films where before like your favorite director got a budget from a studio. Like I just – this is just the perfect sweet spot. Oh, for sure. It, it's something we, we say it a lot. I hate to go back to Anomaly, but we say it a lot when we watch movies for Anomaly and we're like, that was so good. I can't wait to see what they do next because that's going to be the right, one. Right, exactly. And that's kind of where yeah. this one is for mm-hmm. me. Your Half a Loaf of Kung Fu is a perfect example of that. Not to get off of Drunken Master, but yeah, it, it's like everything is right. just like a quarter turn away from being superstar. Exactly, yes. And this one is just like an that's eighth my of a turn spot. closer. Yep. And th- Yeah, exactly. And it's mm-hmm. it, like McKenna said, all, all the fight choreography is brilliant. It's just beautiful to it's watch. It's so terrific. And it's that, it's that like, you know, full screen, like there's no editing. It's just like they just turned on the camera and let, you know, the kung fu actors do their thing. And it, it's beautiful and it's inventive. Sorry, I'm, I'm rambling. I have been drinking. I've already said that. Before. No, good, go. It's just, it's <laughs> it, we are, pra- we are trying to on. also practice the art of drunken <laughs> podcasting yeah. tonight. So, yeah, you've got two of the yeah, masters yeah, right thank here. You. That's- oh. yeah, I remember my first beer. <laughs> but yeah there's so much there's so much of it too to 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 enjoy like 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 you said there's a fight every like three four minutes uh it it actually it reminds me so like you know the the late 70s are sort of a golden age for for grindhouse and uh uh kung fu movies and, and things like that um it's also sort of a golden age for a, another uh, cinematic right. uh, uh, genre. <laughs> um, and and I couldn't help but watching this think, man, this is kind of a lot like Debbie Does Dallas. <laughs> Interesting. Go on. Go on. <laughs> yeah, so, so every, uh, 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 especially if we're talking about the dubbed version, Oh, not the best, you know, performances uh, mm-hmm. punctuated by fight scenes that don't necessarily move the plot forward. Uh, right. And then, uh, yeah. Um, also, th- both from 1978. Didn't didn't oh. really think how you were going to land this plane, did you? <laughs> yeah, but the, the, <laughs> the dating of it sold it. <laughs> But yeah, no, it's just, I, I'm watching it and I'm like, man, this is a, a really long fight scene. There's nothing, you know, <laughs> it's a lot of fun to watch. I'm enjoying it. And, you know, like I said, it just kind of brought me back to, uh, you know, hey, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of connection there. I mean, we talked about when we did Bloodsport about how Canon, the legendary Canon, uh, Canon group got their start with Swedish pornos. Oh yeah. And <laughs> And as we talked about with our friends, our celebrity friends, Grady and Chris, Chris of the, uh, again, the book is These Fist Break Bricks. Go out and buy it, folks. Um, that again, the Kung Fu movies kind of rode the wave after the, uh, the uh, what would you call it? The, porn. the popular, the, yeah. the normalization of poor, the, when it was like cool to go to a theater. To see yes, porn. the mainstream of porn. When, the mainstreaming of porn. Know, You'd go out on a date to see Deep Throat yeah. or 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 Taboo or something, <laughs> right? Which is the thing that happened in the seventies. Yeah, yeah, that was a thing. 
Right, which is Doesn't anybody? Yeah, any, which is, you all remember that part in Taxi Driver when Travis Bickle? Takes, I was just uh, gonna say, right? Yeah, and I'm like, I wonder well, if at the does. time it. But I was like, I wonder if at the time it wasn't as like shocking as it is to watch it like now and be like, holy crap, how do you take her to a porno? But yeah, I'm like, wasn't that in like Times right, Square it, it or something? Yeah. Like, right? That was one. That's yeah. just Eighth Avenue. Eighth Avenue porn shops. We know those, right? <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> I plead the fifth. I plead the fifth. One of those nights I wish. But I, I would like. To, I would like to. Com- I would like to comment on that. It's interesting you bring up porn because I mean, I feel like the term porn now has been used to describe uh, gratuity in any form. Right. Like, yeah, sure. horror yeah. movies. They have torture porn. Uh, I remember. Yeah. I, I. I once. I don't know. It was Buzzfeed or one of those freaking sites where like the top ten saddest movies, and they describe them as misery porn, and and so on and so forth. So I think that <laughs> no, no, but I think this is a good point. Like, like you you bring up a good point. You have, you know, is the plot a vehicle for the spectacle, or is the spectacle a vehicle for the plot? And and you know, the the former is we call porn and the latter we call art and you know it's kind of bullshit but it, but it is an interesting way of thinking about it and clearly i'm drinking more than a typical show because i don't know what the <laughs> freak i'm talking about <laughs> but no no but it brings up a good point when, when, we're, when we're watching martial arts movies it's like how necessary is are the fight scenes how necessary are they to move along the plot and then you're like okay well why are you here are you here to watch yeah you're here for the plot or are you here to watch jackie chan you know flip around and do crazy stuff and it's like, you know, this movie in a way is porn, but it's really good in, in martial arts <laughs> porn. And that's no, 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 no. Here, hear me out. Hear me out. It, it's great porn food that, you it's, know, it's porn food. Porn and, and, I love and, that. Shout out to, to Joe Bob Briggs. Briggs. This is like a Chasey Lane of Kung Fu. <laughs> wow. <laughs> right back <laughs> as soon as you can. We all know exactly how old Mike is now. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> mom oh, and dad. This is Chasey. Chasey, this is my mom and dad. Yeah, I'm gonna okay. stop. And we also know that Dom <laughs> spent some time in Philly. <laughs> um, actually, I think I think so. So, I it might be a coincidence. It might not be. It might be the stars aligning. But Jackie Chan and this type of movie. And this type of martial art all sync really well in that because because drunken boxing and drunken kung fu that is the whole point of drunken kung fu is to be unpredictable like like the martial art itself it's not for drunk people I uh, so I'm not a kung fu guy so I had to you know Google and YouTube a bunch of videos. And I, I found this one YouTube series, which is like five basic exercises to start you on drunken Kung Fu. And that shit's legit. That is not for drunken fat idiots. I'll tell you that it's if you watch. No, but I'm serious. If you watch this movie, <laughs> the amount of ab strength you need to do drunken Kung Fu is I'm going to I'm going to. I'm, I'm going to be presumptuous, but I don't think any of us here have it. Let's just throw it out there. Um, <laughs> oh, no. No. Oh, no. Oh, no. For seriously. Sure <laughs> seriously. No. So that martial art, I, I can't speak to its effectiveness, 
but it's supposed to be random. It's supposed to be unpredictable. It's supposed to be jarring. And Jack Chan's whole shtick is that he'll pick up a mop and whack you in the head with it. And then he'll flip over a stool and then jump over it. And then he'll jump out a window and then just hit you with a lamp and da 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 da. So I don't think, I, I feel like this, this is the stars aligning. Jackie Chan at his in his you know his peak of physical performance he looks like a Greek god he looks great um, doing a martial art that totally is random almost seems entirely just ridiculous and you know comedy and it all just comes together super well so the plot of this movie is a bit nonsensical and not really the whole point so in a sense we are seeing it for the martial arts porn but the martial arts porn is perfect for what Jackie Chan is serving up. And this is the first time I ever saw the movie. So like the fact that Jackie Chan's career sprung from this makes perfect sense. It's random. It seems haphazard. The martial arts seems very unpredictable, very jarring. And all that put together, like seems to mold Jackie Chan into this, you know, comedic, random, silly character that that you know turned him into arguably one of the biggest action stars of all time like let's think about it jackie chan everyone knows jackie chan he's a cartoon like he he's done a ton of movies video games video games like yeah i didn't realize he was a pop star who who knows about that but i'm just saying like the guy (laughs) no the guy is an international like phenomenon and it's because of this spectacular it's spectacular. It's a spectacular fight right, scenes right. In, a, in a movie that's all about spectacle, think, and it's not about the plot. Yeah, right. it, was, it was. I was. I agree with you, Dom. Like, I, I think that, like, how I grade, uh, you know, an actor, or celebrity, whatever you want to call it, is, you know, will you die on film? And I think there's like Jackie Chan and maybe Tom Cruise right now. They're the only two I know that will like. I'm, I'm just if I die, like, definitely it's definitely a great movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not to give Tom Cruise so much credit, but um, he is the same way where he'll attach himself to a plane. But Jackie was man knows that action 80s, movies. Like, I'll give him that. Exactly. Police story, yeah. like yeah. I mean, there's like outtakes of police story where before he slides down that pole in the mall, he's like literally shaking, and he's like, as long right. as it's on film, like I mean, I just adore that. Like, because um, to me, you know. Movies are are my church, so that you're gonna die for me is like the most emotionally I can be attached to you. And as you were right. saying, Dom, and like, oh, okay, I'm I'm going to a side and a side, and I apologize. Like we talked about, do it, go it, time, go, go, uh, which we have has not been released yet. But again, I've been drinking, so like we were wondering, <laughs> like, what was the first you know comedic kung fu? Like, when did this start? And I, I guess what was interesting about it is that like, you know, whenever a fad is happening, like when the fad is dying out, like that's when you start getting the parodies and you know, that's something that dirty hell was kind of tapping into, but it's not fully realized. So for me anyways, cause I'm the expert mm, um, in this, (laughs) because it's more universal because dirty hell is like, it's more like a ritualized traditional, you know, Chinese setting. And it's, it's more like, it's like cultural references that I'm not half getting where I'm kind of impressed and, you know, endeared by, but with, with, with this movie, it's just, you know, <laughs> and this is interesting too. Again, I'm going to be an aside and you guys just turn off my mic whenever you need to is like, no, keep going. Jay. Jack Jen said this is like, you know, when he did legend of the drunken master, he wanted, he felt bad about this movie. Cause he's like, that's going to be negative connotations with drinking so with legend of the drunken master when someone's drinking and, and you know 
there's there's kind of negative aspects of it or the the outcome isn't always great whereas this like if i saw this when i was a kid um i would think drinking was awesome like you i mean it's basically the wine is his is like popeye spinach right like, exactly. Yes. yes. I, mean, I couldn't. No, when his master beggar like so is like, old. give me the wine. <laughs> no. Yeah, exactly. Well, I would just well, be like, master's. OK, amazing. OK. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Jay. The master's name oh, is so high. Yeah, he is the, so in high yeah. in the dub. So it, dep- it, it depends on the dub, right? So his, in the translated where, like the original, or at least I say original, like, I know this. Like, no, what was written on the screen for me when I read it in subtitle is Beggar So. And Beggar So yeah. is like, is a, is a traditional character from Chinese or Cantonese folklore as part of the Ten Tigers of Canton. So, like, he's a legendary character. And then the actor that played this, um, oh, I should have the name here. Is it, uh, Oh, I should know. Anyway, the actor like basically played this role uh, numerous times until he died like a year later. So like, he made a whole career, uh, he, including he played this basically same role in what is now my favorite Kung Fu movie title. Uh, Kung Fu Master. Is it meats? Oh, I just this is I've had enough to drink. I can't drunk remember. cat. Something I just talked about an hour. Yeah. Why we're here. Kung Fu Master Shit. named Drunk Cat. That is it. Drunk cat. So I really wanted that to be meets uh, drunk cat. That that was Yun Sin uh Yun Sutin, by the way. Well done. Oh, thank yeah. you. I'd also like to talk about the physicality. Uh, Jay, we we finish I'm gonna I don't wanna derail you. Oh, you know I already forgot my point, so go right in. <laughs> We are, we are all this drunken is, masters. I'm gonna, oh, the, he's on the Medallo drunken podcasting. This is this I, you is, know, I'm so, I'm let, let's pause yeah, one I'm, second. I'm proud of us. I, I, oh, yeah, what a ahead. mess. I, what a mess. Let's yeah. all just talk. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. I just want to recognize. Listen, let he's, talking, talk. he, he's talking about being the, the guy who drinks the stuff out of the back of the fridge. Do you see what he's got right now? It's the beer of beers. It's Modelo. Modelo. Oh, yes. stuff. <laughs> Which that was in the fridge. That's what I'm drinking. It, if I had to have something that go. wasn't a cream ale, it'd be a Modelo. So there you go. And Dr. Dom's got a <laughs> That's good glass of, of scotch. <laughs> Do- Dr. Dom's just got it on the IV drip. It's Talisker. It's what is it? Uh, it's a gift. The distiller's edition. It's it's good. It's good. It's good. I, I don't know if you realize this, Dom, but you've got a top hat that's just materialized on your head. I don't know how it happened. <laughs> monocle. Mo- monocle monocle's too, coming. Yeah, you finished that glass. You got the monocle. The monocle professor here. Yeah. The monocle is Cronenberging <laughs> through your skin. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're ten minutes it's actually away. Scales like yeah, yeah. just we're, we're but, ten um, minutes away from your. your I, your tweed vest. I, I want to talk about drunk. I want to talk about. I want to talk about the physicality of this movie because, you know, like when I think of Jackie Chan, I think of a guy who clearly can move but doesn't look like someone who's ripped to hell. And he was, like, I've never seen him young and in his prime. He's jacked. Like yeah. he looks like he could go toe to toe with Bruce Lee, Chuck yeah. Norris in their prime. Easy. Easy. I had no idea because I think of Jackie Chan oh, is like is this tough. goofball, but he is a machine. Like I was really impressed, and the stuff he did. Uh, drunken boxing is hard. Okay, I brought it up a little bit before, but because of our drunken stupors, well, I'm going to talk about it now. 
it is fascinating how the martial art works. So there is no one style of drunken boxing. It's something you incorporate into other types of kung fu, but the modern synthesis of it is really cool. So you think of a lot of a lot of kung fu. You got the crane stance where you're very light, and you know your one leg is straight down. Or you have like the horse stance where you have a very wide stance and you're really solid. You know, and then there's tiger style where you're really like positioned really well. Drunken boxing is interesting because what you do is you put all your weight on your back foot. So like if you watch the movie, you'll notice he's kind of leaning back the whole time. And when he does the drunken boxing, he'll move his body and stretch his abs. So his head goes all the way back and all his weights on his back foot. And that makes it, you're just like, what is he doing? Because it makes it really unpredictable because because all that weight's on his back foot, he can swing his arms and legs around and do these random ass motions. And also because all the weight's on the back foot, his front foot is is light so he can do these kicks that you never expect and one of the things i thought was so interesting is you know how they name all the gods of drunken boxing there's one that's the cripple and has one leg and that's basically because right leg yeah you're so off you're so like heavy on one leg your other leg you don't freaking need it. So this martial art, you could do one legged. And what's so cool is because you have so much weight back is when you start to swing forward, it looks like you're stumbling and no one expects it. It's absolutely insane. And you need like sick abs to do that. You need really strong leg muscles. Your knees cannot be compromised in any way. You need to have a really strong back. So what is sold as a martial arts for drunkards is arguably, I feel like if I did drunken boxing for six months, I'd look like, I'd look like, I'd look like Thor. Like, <laughs> so, and that's the thing is after researching the martial art, this movie, you're watching a man at the peak of his craft. And it is just so impressive. So impressive. Well, all you have to do is. All you have to do is watch that part where he's training, uh, you know, with his feet bound up yes. on the top of that 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 cross <laughs> right. or whatever, and he's just, cuts. just doing no cuts, and he's just doing sit up after right. sit up, right, <sighs> right, yeah. right, right, pour right. water into to that bucket. Yeah. It, it was Nuts. insane. That scene goes on forever. Yeah, I, I, I think the movie, like, I, I was watching that movie, and I'm like, yes, the martial arts scene's amazing, yes, and the plot funny, and he acts like a goofball, but just. I was like, this man is, this man is a machine. Like, I don't think of Jackie Chan as being someone this intimidating, but man, oh my God, like he was so good. I was right. It was awesome. Awesome. Like, which is exactly how I felt about all those girls in Debbie does Dallas. That's, that's all I'm saying. (laughs) Jesus. Can't take this guy anywhere. (laughs) Well, for this movie, right? Like it is, it's something that I don't think I noticed at first, but like, uh, you're right. All the fights, for the most part, you know, they're very panned out. And then was I think it was on the commentary. They talked about how like kind of contemporary fight scenes are all these like quick cuts and like close in. So like you can't really get a sense for the fight, but it was really big for uh, Yun Wu Ping that he wanted to to scan out so that you could see their full bodies. And, you know, like there's not a lot of cuts in this. Like you're seeing these are talented people and he wants to make sure that you see what they can do. And it's interesting. Like I want to bring up him for a moment. Cause he's, 
had a, a huge impact on 90s action movie, you know, and some. Um, again, he directed this, but then it was kind of the, uh, and I'm sure Jay could probably jump on this, but like he was kind of the guy after this, especially in the 90s, who was brought in as like the special action choreographer. So he was, he did The Matrix, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Kill Bill, Kung Fu Hustle, Fearless, among many other ones. He was the the martial arts choreographer for those movies. Like I think it was some of his team uh, that did Scott Pilgrim. Like if if there right. were Oh right, yes. He, yeah. he was like the, the progenitor of wire foo, if you remember how everybody was talking about wire foo there yes. for a while. Yeah. That yep. was kind of his his stock and trade, him and his, his stunt team. So it, it's interesting to see kind of the evolution because I, I imagine this was like one of the first couple things he did. So that this yep. is like full analog. You don't have people flying around and doing like all the wuxia stuff. Um, right. It's right. just, and it's such a difference. Cause if you look back at what we were talking about with enter the dragon and the way that was, that was shot, it was shot like a James Bond movie and everybody was from the waist up. And then if you look at yes. what we d- just talked about with uh dirty hoe and now with, with drunken master, you're getting these long shots where you can kind of see the composition, not just of the scene, but of the actual fight. And you can kind of see to Dom's point that, that physicality. And it's such a, an interesting evolution of the style. And you kind of see where, you know, as time goes on and as technology goes, you can see where Yun Wen Wu Ping was trying to get to that point where you could be more kinetic and do the stuff that he was able to do in the nineties with, you know, all the technology, it, you can kind of see that the, 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 the cornerstones of that in, in drunken master. Right. So one of the connections that I thought was really interesting, probably my favorite feature on, I can't remember if this was on mic or off mic, uh, the Eureka special edition that they have of this movie. There's an interview with Gareth Evans, our director from the raid that we talked about. And, you know, we love his camera work and, you know, how he approaches fights. But he talked about this movie and he talked about how uh, the first movie that he did, Marintau, like was very inspired by this and tried to do a lot of fights, uh, you know, very inspired by this movie. But he talked about going back to this movie. And so, like, he talked about some of the like, oh, the wide cam that he's like, I, you know, after I made Marintau, I think I could be misquoting this. But like he went back and looked and it was like, oh, this is so much. This makes so much sense. Like this is filmed so much better. And this is a movie that came out, you know, 30 plus years prior to Marintau or the raid. Um, but he taught one of the things that I thought was interesting is he talked about in Marintau, the, the big fight that they have at the end is like on top of shipping containers at night. And he's like, yeah, this is a huge pain in the ass because like uh, with the night, if something's at night, like all the it just it makes it really difficult with consistency in filming and that like they had to keep ever it cost them a lot of money to like keep everything set up. And he's like, so if you watch the final site fight in this movie and a lot of other movies, it's in a field at daytime. And he's like, Oh, this is so brilliant because then it just, we just have to come back to here at daytime. Like we don't have to, we aren't like the more specific and like drawn in, you make it the more challenging it is for the filmmaker to make sure that like, we we can, we're able to reproduce this, but he's like when it's just in a big field at daytime, like it's just you you have like endless time to come back and film this. And he's like, oh, these guys are geniuses, and uh, and it's interesting that again, just like you said, like this is a movie back in the seventies that's still like someone that's a contemporary filmmaker is like watching this and learning from it while he's you know while he's crafting his films and 
It just continues to inspire people. I'm going to be the wet blanket of the crew. And do it. um, Do it. (laughs) And this is just random shade from a person in upstate New York. But um, the director, uh, is it, uh, how do you pronounce the mic? Wu Ying Ping? Yen Wu Ping. I won't say it. Yen Let's Wu just say Ping, that. I'm probably missed. Thank you very much. I apologize for that pronunciation. Good. Terrible. I've been drinking. Anyways, so <laughs> like, uh, let's You've mentioned some. Let's back credit. Let's backtrack to Jackie Chan, where you know, like you would think, because he had worked twice with Jackie Chan now, once with Snake and Eagle Shadow and in Drunken Masters. So like, you would almost think that he was the auteur. He was the one moving the train along. And the next movie he did after this was something called uh, Dance of the Drunken Mantis. No one knows of that yeah. movie. What we know is Jackie right. Chan. So in my opinion, is as, as great as you know, he uh, the director turned out to be a great action cinema. Um, a great action choreographer in in the uh, early 2000s and the 90s like to me the big takeaway is the auteur here is, is Jackie Chan cuz Jackie after this like he went out and took his career by storm because he he ended up right. being his own director in the next movie with um uh was that fearless God. hyena bah. i think no 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 it's like the it's such a good movie and i the young oh my god i'm a terrible person oh young young master or something like Thank that. Thank you so much. It's a movie I love. Anyways, so I'm just saying that as much as the director is, is truly, he's very innovative and, and he's placing the camera, but sure. a lot of it is is Jackie and his inventiveness. Like you know, it, sure. it, and again, sure. it it almost reminds me of um like like my favorite Edgar Wright movies where it's like uh he's making fun of a genre while also. Um, making a great genre movie like something like Hot Fuzz or Shaun of the Dead. This right. almost seems like that. Like, oh, Jackie and, and William Ping are uh, again pronunciation. I apologize. Um, we're we're gonna make a, like a goofy movie, um, but we're also gonna make an awesome awesome movie right, right. that we we love this stuff. And and also again, I'm I, I think I really love the most about this. Well, that's a crazy saying. Maybe you guys should start making so. Wang Fei Hong is who Jackie's playing. And I think every movie we've done so far on this podcast is about him being the lead character. He's always the narrative driver. I think, you know, 80% Ooh, of this the is- movies that are Kung Fu is Wang Fei Hong. And, and, but it, what I love is he's kind of like, I think Dom, you said this earlier. He's kind of a, kind of a, goofball like uh you know he is not a great representation and i think how they sold it at the time was you know this is him as a kid like he you know with like he's he's young jesus like he didn't have his shit together yet um right right that's what i take from it it's pretty kind of controversial and interesting like i'd almost want to know what they thought about it at the time for wong fei hung to be this kind of you know truly a goofball yeah well i think i'm I'm glad Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Mike. Oh, well, I, well, you know, you go ahead first, Mike. I, I got some right. ideas, but. Okay. All right. Well, I'll just add, I'm glad you brought that up because you're right. That is a huge thing. So Wong Fei Hong, we've mentioned him, especially in the Lao Kar Long and Lao Kar Wing movies that we've covered that, you know, their family was, their family's martial arts uh, heredity, heredity, or uh, again, this is the beer talking. Uh, they basically descend from Wong Fei Hong, but I'm Wong Fei Hong is like the, legend of uh hong kong uh not pop like a he's pil- a folk hero like he's, he's, yeah, not, he's like a pillar so, of confucius everything right like he's kind of yeah. i think now he's i think of like ip man is someone that we look at uh, and i can't wait to cover an ip yeah. man movie but like wong fei hung was the guy in hong kong yeah and like the legend at the time like 
I think the on the commentary they compared him to like a uh, oh like a like a James Bond slash Indiana Jones etc. Like all that wrapped into one and right like or Obi Wan Kenobi like he's this yeah, venerated um this venerated honored there's a spirituality uh, figure it, yeah right and so they came in with this movie and they're like here he's like this young asshole and he's an asshole teenager like it almost reminded so refreshing, me though. a little bit of like it is it almost reminded me of like um uh, there's better examples of this but it reminded me a lot of uh of spider-man homecoming and that like uh, that movie struck me because it's 15 year old spider-man so i know a lot of people didn't like it or people that didn't like it were like, he's too young. He's like, uh, but it was different than what we were expecting, like the older together, Peter Parker. Right. And I feel like this was similar that like they're used to seeing yeah, uh, like Obi-Wan-esque character and Wong Fei Hung. And Jackie Chan plays him as this little, as this snide, disrespectful jerk, right? That's like trying to get out of work, like, uh, you know, we could go into like all the training that's such a big part of these movies, but like at every instance, he's trying to get out of that training, right? Like, mm-hmm. and training is such a big part of these movies, and like he tries to wake a lot of it every way he can in this movie until like the final end. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's so it's interesting, and I think that like for audiences, then it was such a, a like kind of shot across the bow, and like we're gonna give you a different one, but it's almost like an origin story because then by the end. Like, okay, he's mastered this. Like, he's kind of reconciled with his master. He saved his dad. Like, all the kind of bridges that he burned early in the movie, by the end, he's come around. So to me, like, in that context, we talked about, like, uh, the plot is kind of loose here. Like, but I think for audiences at the time, it was a solid plot. And that they're like, uh, or another movie I'll compare it to is, like, Casino Royale. We're like, well, I'm used to, like, James Bond is this smooth guy but here he is in the beginning of this movie like rough and like fighting for his life and bashing someone's head against a sink i like this isn't the james bond i know so you watch this movie and you see oh by the end all right now this is how he got to be the guy that like this is the one that i recognize um you know so i think there's some of that there that like was probably more recognizable for audiences there but um yeah it's into and like there's again like wong fei hung is such a a common character, which is that's what kind of burns me about the the dub that they just call him Freddy. And I like this is like a really <laughs> like not yeah. central character. Like this isn't just like like this again. This is like you watch a James Bond movie and they're like, oh, it's just Billy Bond. Like the pat- hell, man. <laughs> like, anyways, that's that's Billy Bond. Bond no, and, and actually, I, I, I'm glad I'm glad you stepped in, Mike, because you kind of segued into what I was going to say nicely. Because um, this movie is in a way a coming of age movie, but in a very much real martial arts kind of style. Because the only way you get good at martial arts or anything for that matter is to train. And if you're the best at your school, or you're the best with your uh, out of your peers, the you gotta find someone better what is the expression in order to be the best you have to beat the best in order to be a lion you gotta train with lions all that crap well i mean in the way this you know, movie kind of the best around no one's ever gonna keep you down <sighs> i hate you <laughs> <laughs> no but, but it's just like yeah it's just like this movie is 
he is kind of a folk hero. He's the best. He is the best around. He's the best in the school. He's arrogant. He's picking on his teacher with the wart, with the hair that you can braid. That was gross, that by the, the way. Im- Dude, that's the most impressive wart hair I've ever yeah. seen. Well, yeah, he's just a science segment should be dumb. Yeah, no, no, I'm I'm staying away from melanoma today. But anyway, like the thing is, no, it it lends to both those narratives: the narrative that he's a folk hero, and in a small pond, he's the big fish. But in order for him to become the hero, he needs to be challenged, and the person that challenges him is the drunken master that he learns from, and he learns drunken kung fu, which is, like I said super hard and all those things he needs to do to train it's not fun it's not like show up every day and just train no he's got to do freaking push-ups on his wrists which by the way um i'm just gonna bring that up for a second uh if you watch the movie if you notice the way he holds his wrists there's it's supposed to replicate holding a shot glass. So like, I know the audience oh, can't right. see me. Yeah. And it's but the walnut holding... thing is part of that too. That it's like... Yeah. And the walnut thing and all that stuff. But what's interesting about the drunken boxing, which, which I just want to bring up too, which is really cool is he doesn't, he holds the cup like it's closer to his face, which makes it unpredictable. It's hard to tell how far you are from your opponent when your wrist is flexed. So like if you're holding your fists oh, out and they're straight, you're like, okay, this is how far away. But the guy's like, uh, um, how far? And so throwing elbows is really easy. And so that's hard. Like all the shit he learned is hard. The cat stance that he's in, which is the heavy back, like I mentioned before, all that stuff is hard. It's, there's a lot of legitimacy to this. It, it, I thought it was really impressive. And it's basically like, okay, he naturally has talent. He's a big fish in a small pond. He's a folk hero, but he's also a dick. So what needs to happen is he needs to be tested by the best. And that's what happens. And then trains for a year under grueling ass conditions is really tested and he comes out more mature. He's not stealing from restaurants anymore. He's not being a jerk. He learned, <laughs> you know, no, but it's true. Oh, it's I'm, like, Parker, you know, it's, it's all that stuff. And I think it's a really nice narrative. And, and, and it's that yeah. typical yeah. thing where this guy has potential, but if we really want to bring out his true potential, we got to put him in a place where he's really challenged. And the drunken master does that. So I think it's great. Uh, One other thing I'd like to note about about drunken boxing before we continue. I'd be really interested if if Bruce Lee was here now, I'd be really interested to hear what he thinks about it. Because drunken boxing has a lot of flash to it. And Bruce Lee was not about the flash. He was about how do I take this guy out as quickly as possible? And drunken boxing is all movements and shaking and all this crazy stuff. I wonder if Bruce Lee and Jackie Chan were to get into a fight, if Jackie, if if Bruce Lee would be like, what are you doing? Like, or if the drunken boxing would actually work. Cause Jeet Kune Do is not like that. The fist is always like pop, 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 these really quick strikes. And then you got Jackie Chan with all this flowy craziness. Like what would Bruce Lee think of that? Would he think that it's showboating right. or would he be like, does it work? I don't know. It's, it's I think it's a very interesting question. In my opinion, just throwing out the, the martial arts questions. Anyone who knows Kung Fu in our audience, please comment. Does drunken boxing work? Is it over the top or is your opponent like, what the hell are you doing? And then he's knocked out. Please. I'd love to well, hear. And it's interesting too. Like I think we were talking a little bit before we started the show about whether this is 
real or not. Like there is legitimate drunken fist style um, that has history within Kung Fu. But they're so I know in reading uh, Jackie Chan's autobiography, he said that they combined those and basically made this up for this movie. But then listening to the commentary, one of the commentators is basically his ghostwriter, co-writer for the his autobiography. And he said, yes, this is an existing like this is all this is a real style like they didn't make it up. So somewhere in between, like, you know, I'm sure there's some of it like, again, a lot of it is a dance like. Um, oh God! There's so much that we could go into here. Like, uh, well, we got the sequel on like all the ways we do have yeah. the sequel, but like all the ways that this, like, I didn't realize that like Jackie Chan's hairstyle in this movie after the movie came out became like a pop phenomenon within Asia at the time for both men and women. Like, this was a very popular hairstyle at the time, and it was inspired by this movie. Like. We talked about like again Gareth Evans being in, influenced by this. He said that the the knife fight in the kitchen in the raid two, which we'll have to bring this up when we cover that and have our friend Jackie McGriff back. Like that's directly a response, like his take on the one the sword fight. We haven't even talked about like the sword fight that's freaking awesome in this with the, where he's fighting with the cucumbers and that yeah. like there's so many wild fights and stuff. The um, hammer. What if I said the hammer was cool too? The hammer, where he like hits him in the head and the things pop up. Where he like shoves the guy's face yeah, in shit right out of and then farts yeah. in his face. Like, oh, there's uh, we we can go, we can go, but uh, uh, we'll cut that. We'll bring this to a close and uh, you know save some for more. I know, Dom. There's so much that we could go here in terms of science, but I know you got some good stuff for us, so. Uh, I want to hear your science while I continue to enjoy these cream ales. And uh, yeah, what do you got for us, Dom? Are we ready? There we go. Science. All right. So um, if I don't do well during the science segment, it might actually prove my point. Okay. So, um, so the the question is, you know, you know, the can booze make you better at tasks? You know, because the stereotype is, oh, you drink alcohol and you suck at what you're doing, right? So don't drink and you'll be better at what you're doing, right? But in this movie, the more they drink, the better they do. Now, as I said earlier, drunken boxing is not named because you get loaded and do it. It's named because you imitate the random movements of someone who's drunk. But that's a major point in the movie is the fact that alcohol gives them the ability to do this technique. So does alcohol give you the ability to improve in, uh, to improve performance? And if so, in what way? Now, this is more psychology as opposed to straight up the kind of biology I do. So I consulted with uh, Denise, one of the members of the um, psychology department where I work, and she was super super helpful. So the answer is when it comes to cognitive things, so such as doing tasks that aren't very physical, more mental recall, conversational, etc. The answer is yes. The answer is yes. To a point, it's actually what we call a U-shaped curve. So I want you to imagine a graph, um, on the, uh, so on the, um, x-axis you have booze and on the y-axis you have performance and actually what happens is people tend to do better with a lot of tests such as recall and things like that after they've had a couple drinks um 
and then you reach a point and then then you go downhill so i it's hard to say the amount of drinks because it's body weight and of course you know tolerance and things like that but if you have what for you is a relatively small amount of drink you will do better and the reasons they think of it is the reasons they think is because it decreases anxiety so when you ask someone to perform a task such as sing or you know talk or recite something if you have a couple drinks that anxiety goes away and you feel more confident with your abilities and you end up doing better so there is a certain degree of accuracy to having some drinks and having some alcohol will make you do better. Now, keep in mind, once you get past that point of a couple, whatever that is for you, then it goes down. So um, you shouldn't be perpetually drunk all day. Um, I'm oh, not going to drunk drive. You know what I mean? Like things like that. Yeah, you'll but, uh, so that U-shaped outcome where it goes up and it goes down is a real thing. So, yeah. Now, the question is... Um, and then here's another one that she said, <laughs> people that abstain from alcohol tend to do worse at these tests than people with light or moderate consumption. So real fucking drags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's for the reasons, like I said, you know, they're used to it or it decreases their anxiety <laughs> Or whatever, but you know, bottom line is, is if you're in a position where you need to do a task and you're really nervous about it, have a drink and it'll help you. Now, these are for cognitive skills. This is for recall. What about athletic performance? It's pretty. It's not bleak. It's pretty bleak. So as she says. Uh, consumption impairs athletic performance, even from the get-go. So if you have like a shot or two and you decide to run some sprints or you decide to do anything athletic, <laughs> you're already shooting yourself in the foot. So that kind of hurts the oh, movie because he is doing pong. kung fu. Are you, so well, are you saying you get better or worse at beer pong? Because I suck. I at beer pong. So when I played beer pong in college, there was no change. I sucked when I'm sober. I sucked oh. when I'm drunk. So you guys have to speak to it. How come, how come then, Dombo, back in our Geneseo days, when I would get, let's say, knee-deep in a 30-rack of cream ales, I would feel that I could run for miles and perform outstanding athletic feats? Well, you felt you could. Did you? <laughs> when was the last time you ran a mile, Mike? I want to know this. I want to know. I don't know. Right um, now. For, for the audience. Yeah, that's what I thought. Hold on. Let me, let me go outside and attempt yeah. this. <laughs> I'll save you. Last time I did it was 12th grade. So. <laughs> well, the reason alcohol impairs all kinds of things. One of the big things is it causes dehydration. That, that's, a, that's a big issue. Um, if you're wondering... When you drink alcohol, what happens is it decreases the amount of antidiuretic hormone that you um, you produce, which is why you pee more. There's no such thing as breaking the seal. It's a myth. It's baloney, right? No, it's true. Um, I think <laughs> actually, actually, the proper term here is rocket a piss. That's right. right. <laughs> yes. Uh, either, way, either way, the the nomenclature is flexible, but that's all of it. Yeah. So when you drink alcohol, I mean, it's a poison. You're poisoning yourself. So when it comes to physical abilities, your motor skills go down, like your your muscle delay. Um, but here's one thing: dart throwing. They found that dart throwing low levels of alcohol make you superior dart thrower. 
So yeah. makes sense for you, cornhole too. So as far as your, if you consider darts an athletic competition, which I think is a little liberal, uh, <laughs> then uh, have a couple drinks and do it. Chariots of fire, just throw them. You'll do great. So yeah, and is, that's all I got for you. Hey Dom, let me ask that's you this. One of my favorite. I, I got this question for you. Are are jarts included? Can we can we just get loaded and play jarts? <laughs> jarts, lawn darts. You know the yeah, the things darts. where you, you throw it. Uh, there's there's the two hula hoops I'm on not the ground. With the term, Jar- so oh, so guys. it's like it's lawn, lawn darts. Yeah. So, hey, I am seeing a future just fantastic, fantastic afternoon of punches and popcorn getting together. We got to invite McKenna and playing jarts. So, when so we, what is when it? we watch? So, I would like. That. So we watch Ricky O. We so, so, so is John oh, and we drink my favorite movie. So is the term jart like shart? Is it two words so, put together? Or? Yeah, jet dart, I believe it is, because it came out in the sixties and it's a very like space age looking, jet age looking box. But really what it is, it's a plastic spear with fins on the back that, that are ultra sharp. Perfect for impaling your little brother. Yeah. I, they they stop they stop selling Guys, them. Guys, I gotta be yeah. honest with you. I am willing to get as many of us drunken idiots together and actually do experiments to see our performance <laughs> when we're drunk. Seriously, we can be like fat forty-something, you know, white <laughs> idiots. How oh, does our athletic and cognitive performance? Yes. Guys, I'm only thirty-eight. So, are we just going to meet up in the parking lot outside Rich Stadium? Is that what we're going to do? Is this? I'll bring the folding table. That's us and Pinto Ron. I will say this: as somebody who's been doing a beer podcast for the last couple years, that 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 new curve couple drink limit that's that's 100 percent accurate oh yeah totally true yeah for sure proof of concept you can you can actually we have how many episodes now mckenna 60 somewhere in that ballpark oh matt you know there's there's who, so many who could count ones and they're so close to my heart who could count um you know i, well, I you feel just in this, some ways the like they're 50th. Yeah. Uh, all my children, uh, all 55 of them, <laughs> 55, 55. So you can actually plot it out. If you look at the runtime for each of them, the longer they are diminishing returns, the drunker we were, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> if you look and you're like, Oh shit, BRJ is like an hour and 45 this time. Oh, they're completely shithoused on that last 30 minutes is unlistenable. <laughs> um, speaking I of, we're like at an hour and 22 right now. Um, oh yeah, we should we should bring this we should bring this plane home. Uh, so that's all I got. So much fun, Thanks, I Denise. Thanks, Denise. I appreciate your input, psychology department. Thank you. And Thanks, Denise. That's all I got. Thanks, Denise. Wonderful. So here we'll we'll is it this button? Science. That one. You know, Matt. Drunk Mike is. Uh, remember is. Jesus. Realizing that I forgot to ask <laughs> if uh, so, uh, we mentioned here like the music. At one point, somebody said something about the music and like the theme from this movie. It's apparently like central to like Hong Kong cinema, like going forward. And I meant to like look it up and look Man, like, I wish- in the all the once upon all the once upon a time in China movies, which all uh, are again about Wong Fei Hung. Yeah. Uh, they used that movie. They used the theme from this movie in the credits 
and it's just apparently like the theme from Drunken Master was uh, like nominal piece that is used over and over again in Hong Kong cinema. Um, again, many ways. Uh, my son was very excited. Who's a huge Naruto fan for anyone that is into that. Yeah. He play, I think Rocky Lee is the character that was inspired by this. Yeah. Rocky, apparently, the guy like, with the big eyes. Of, yeah. And apparently dragon, like all of dragon ball was, this is one of the like primary influences for dragon yeah. ball. My, uh, oh, like the cool. entire series. My so. kid runs like Naruto. He's never seen an episode of it. Anyway, <laughs> my kid, did. this is just a kid thing, right? They got, they got to do that. Um, yeah, this is, uh, this is good. Um, yeah, let's, uh, final thoughts here. Um, I kind of thought, I hope that you have had fun with us. I want to have you on again, cause this is a blast and, uh, you know, always fun. I final thoughts, or if you care to offer your favorite drunken fairy, if you have one, I will start and just say that my favorite was fat Han, who was the drunken God holding a pot. That immediately brought to mind Kevin from The Office in the famous chili scene. And when that came up, I just imagined that I was like, oh, Kevin is actually a fucking fairy. So it brings a lot of that show into mind. But anyways, you guys, <laughs> final thoughts. <laughs> Blue. Well, uh, I guess I, I'll say um, my my favorite drunken fairy was the one that had uh, Jackie Chan acting like a lady. Um, oh, that was fun. Angel, that Angel that. Ho. Yeah, he he embraces his feminine side, and that's what yes. lets him beat the beat the bad guy. Yeah. I think yeah. that's pretty interesting. And and, and overall thoughts, I, I I enjoyed this movie immensely. I give it uh, three and a half broken boards. <laughs> hey, I love it, uh, Matt. I, I guess I'll go. Um, I, I I don't have favorite fairy. However, I do have favorite guy jackie chan beat up and it's bullet head guy i thought he was really fun <laughs> yes oh yeah absolutely that dude ruled um and yeah it, this is like, like i said it, it's kind of a building block of everything we'd see for years afterwards it's it's great to kind of see you know not only just like another pillar of of comedy kung fu but also like everybody in this ended up doing something amazing 20 years later you know, this this was like the launching pad for ninety percent of the the folks in this movie. So it, it's it's fun to see where they started. To to Jason's point, it it is like watching you know the 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 strokes at, at the bug jar, like that kind of thing. <laughs> right, Jason. Um, um, yeah, I'll go. Um, so, anyways, I kind of why I love Jackie Chan is, in the, and I don't know, if, like, if this was. You know, something he's kind of cultivated, um, you know, over the years. But he had said that, like, you know, when he's a younger man, like he's trying to figure out how to break out, how to kind of be recognized where like Bruce Lee would, you know, punch a wall and punch right through it. Jackie, he would like, I'm going to punch the wall and I'm going to show that it, it hurts and I'm not even going to make a dent in the wall. Like that was sort of his angle on it. And I, I just l love that, that like Bruce Lee was sort of the, you know, prince or king and, uh, you know, Jackie chance coming it from the court jester perspective and, and i just find that so endearing uh, you know i'm a comedy guy so it's just like i i just love that um this movie's just it's just bursting with ideas there's just non-stop creativity it's not just you know you know fighting there's always like a, a weird element to you know a chair uh you know like like uh mike you said like cucumbers at one point it, it's i just I'm, I'm a big fan of this movie and uh last thing is um we usually try to 
tie in Bolo Young into our podcast because he's been thank you, thank you. Young. I was hoping that we could. At one, I, I guess some at someone's credit. This is clearly not him. There's a there's a Bolo Young ish shaped person in the middle of this movie. It, it's not him, but a lot of times he's credited as that person. So I just wanted to, to let everyone know that it's definitely not him. But um, it does connect us to our Bolo Young saga, aka this podcast. I'm just gonna tell myself that it is the patron saint of the podcast. Bolo oh, Young. you want to go the opposite perspective? Okay, yeah, it's him. <laughs> this is uh it's an alternative fact as we like here i'm just gonna tell myself it's bolo even though oh yeah we know it's not it's interesting right in the commentary they said like oh imdb says it's bolo but it's not bolo it's but if not. you look at imdb now it does not say bolo so whatever they recorded the commentary yeah, I, think the commentary I guess that's been confirmed yeah. yeah yeah and it well it's definitely not but i mean again the physique yeah. It's Bolo-ish, so let's call it Bolo. He's shaped or in the spirit Bolo, of yeah. Bolo. <laughs> there you go. Clearly, you know, because it was late seventies, so it was like they just wanted a a Bolo, the the Bolo bump, if you will. That's the that's the one knock I'll have against the movie. They didn't actually get real Bolo. Get, they fail on their part. They should be great. very ashamed of themselves. All right, they should Dominic. throw them in the river. Throw them in the river. There you go. <laughs> So, well, so, oh, it's a tie. Uh, Drunken Gods, The Cripple, because, like, number one, I like The Cripple because it shows you where the weight of the stances are. So I think understanding The Cripple God makes you understand the drunken martial arts. So for me, it was kind of like, okay, that makes sense. Um, I also like the, is there one that was a flute player too, or he kind of like yes, weaves back. Flute and playing, lad. Yep. So, so it's a tie between a flute player and, and the cripple, the cripple probably I like more, but, um, <laughs> and what I love about this movie, cause like I said, um, I watched, I started watching martial arts movies, late eighties, nineties on, and Jackie Chan was already a household name. So seeing the origin of him, seeing him at his prime, seeing him like rip to hell doing, you know, doing his thing out in the fields, like I wouldn't call it humble beginnings, but his beginnings was a real treat for me to see that. I mean, I think of, I no, but seriously, let's think about it. I mean, in oh, Rumble yeah. in the Bronx, he literally jumps from one building to another. I wouldn't do that if you held a gun to my head, but he's like, okay, and he jumps from one building to another. And that's the Jackie Chan I knew. And to see a younger Jackie Chan starting out, I'm like, okay, this guy is just hungry for greatness in this yep. movie. And it yep. makes sense how he eventually leads to, you know, international stardom. I mean, you know, Jackie Chan is Jackie Chan and, this kid that we saw in the drunken boxer, like it makes perfect sense that this ambitious, enthusiastic, uh, very talented kid would eventually become a worldwide phenomenon. So that was a real treat just to see the, the beginnings, not necessarily humble beginnings, but the beginnings of someone who I think is a great action star. So it was really a treat. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well said, Dambo. Well said. Uh, all right. Well, I'd also like, I'd also like to note, Notice how my name all of a sudden becomes Dombo. That was impressive. That's what happens, when, that's what happens when Mike has beers. I become Dombo. Yep. Yeah. That's, that, that was my nickname in college. So many years, many years together, my friend. 20, 
20 plus, which is... Oh, God. All right, uh, we're going to stop there, because otherwise then the uh, drunken will lead to drunken... Yeah. I'm an old man, apparently, so... Or uh, all right, let's... Guys, this was a lot of fun. Um, again, McKenna, thank you so much for, for joining us. Thank you, McKenna. And I hope you will join you, us McKenna. again, because this is the last. Thank you for having me. Um... Yeah, yeah, I know we hit Ricky O, the story of Ricky. Please let me know that. that yes, yeah. let's do it. We got to. All right. So we'll off mic this, but uh, we got to get that planned and uh, invite McKenna for that. If uh, yeah. if we're down to that, because that would be a lot of fun. So and uh, all right. Yeah. Traditionally. So, that's, uh, so again, we could continue going on for Drunken Man. Or Oh, man, I'm just going to stop Holy here. Holy shit. Uh, McKenna. It's <laughs> called, boys. If you want to, you want to give you us a, a drunk uh, McKenna from Matt. You guys used to being drunk to close out the show. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, we. Uh, <laughs> uh, what Please do you have do. coming up for beer reviewed? This uh, uh, is a, a taste. Well, we're we're going to post this one in uh, in our feed as well. I believe this yeah. week. Yeah, uh, this is our next show. So I'm not going to be around to record a, a a straight up BRJ. Um, but uh, pretty soon we're going to have a. Uh, uh, an Avengers Endgame style uh, crossover oh, yes. event uh, with yes. the entirety of the Lunch Door Network, uh, right. or yes. at least as many as we can get, um, to talk about uh, a different Jenny beer uh, than the ones that we were enjoying this evening. Um, we're going to do the the Jenny uh, 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 Kolsch's, the, the the ruby yes. red grapefruit, and the um, the pineapple one that came out this summer. Um, I'm, I'm going to take my, I'm going to take my, uh, my muscles into my hands with, uh, drinking the, the grapefruit beer on the statin that I take. Um, please don't but, die. Uh, please don't die. I'm not going to die, but you know, I'll just, I'll just, I'll <laughs> or maybe Listen, I'll, you have I'll, a doctor, nobody you can have see, a doctor I'll in this group you could ask. Yeah. But no, 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 no. <laughs> I study I mean, reptiles. A I study. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a lizard? You don't look like a lizard. You're out. Sorry. Uh, okay. And dinosaurs. So if you think you're part T-Rex, down's the guy. <laughs> I mean, I've got these short little arms. <laughs> um, yes. Can't wait. The, our end game episode is going to be fantastic. Yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, I, I don't know. Outside of that, uh, Matt just got back from New Hampshire. So we're going to do some some Matt travel beers. I'm about to travel Ooh. for a little bit. So uh, we'll. Where are we'll you going? Some, oh, I'm going up the Lake Placid for a little bit. Uh, oh, so OK. Get some, some, some Saranac beers up there. He's going to hit the ski jumps. AK beers of some sort. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, Blue Line Brewery was one I went to last time I was up that way. And I really enjoyed their beers. Excellent. But uh, but yeah, fun stuff coming uh, down the pike here, and uh, you know, looking forward to uh, spending some time with with more of our our Lunchador uh, bros. That's right. We're gonna do yeah. a home and home with the uh, the punches and popcorn crew. At some point, we'll bring you onto the BRJ, and you don't have to talk about a movie. We'll just get uh, drunk, probably about as drunk as Mike is right now. Oh. Um, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> No, we'll bring you on to talk. We'll, we'll bring you on to talk about yeah uh, the sorts of movies I was talking about uh, for the most Great. part. Um, that, that's the BRJ tradition. Also, traditionally, if if McKenneth guests on another podcast, I lose the episode, so nobody's ever going to hear this. So yes, that, that is true. That's how so, this goes. Right, you, the creep show episode. 
Wait, what? There's a creep show episode. Yeah, there's a lost episode. There's a creep show of, episode uh, of uh, uh, Anomaly oh. Presents that you can, if you want, you can hear my track because I recorded it. Yeah. <laughs> but that's real <laughs> weird because it's an hour and a half of me breathing and occasionally saying something. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, that's Wait, didn't we great. talk about creep show last time? Weren't we talking about like yeah. I had a, the worst science segment I've had yet, and I'm like, I don't know. Let's talk about like carnivorous plant or like parasitic plants. <laughs> oh no! And no, I no. brought up like Stephen creep King show to uh, a plant. Yeah. Yeah, and how that guy uh, Stephen oh, yeah. King gets eaten by a Stephen plant. King yeah, yeah. Jordy Vero. Yeah. I actually learned a lot about parasitic plants. It's a very interesting thing, but uh, I'm not gonna. Don't get me started. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but well, it, it's a reference. Creep Show Two is better, in my opinion. But let's not get started. Well, that's well, just fantastic. So. Well, all right, all right. Oh, we're gonna anyway. We'll, we'll save that. Uh, obviously, no, we need to do a, a whole group crossover on Creep Show. Yeah, that's Man, the home I'm at home. Just gonna nominate that for uh, for an October. So sounds good. Let, let's bring us home here, uh, friends. Again, thank you for listening and uh, enduring with us all here. Um, we'll be back again in a few weeks. We're gonna cover. Another legend of 90s and on action cinema, uh, Jet Li, we're covering Hero. So this will be a very different movie for us. I'm excited to t- talk about this. Uh, again, an epic epic slate and all that. So anyways. I'm going to be at uh, least again, this drunk. If, <laughs> uh, you can find us on the socials. It's generally at Punches and Popcorn. Um, that N is because, again, we're like Guns N' Roses, that we are the Guns N' Roses of the podcast. The N is and, for uh, saving us. <laughs> Sweet child of mine. You, you bring uh, the fun in the games. There you go. The, exactly. exactly. So, <laughs> find us on there, or if uh, you want to tell us that this was excessive, uh, you can email us at punchesandpopcorn at gmail.com. If you have other movies that you want to talk about, let us know. Otherwise, uh, again, this has been a blast. McKenna, thank you so much for joining us. This is a real treat, and looking forward to much more fun times with our Lunchador family. Uh, Matt, Dr. Dom, Jason the Genius, until next time. This has been a presentation of the Lunchador Podcast Network. Yowza!